Order. The Prime Minister. What a good idea. I move we take the Speaker's words down. Mr. President, catch this. The point of order is sustained. I rise today to begin to filibuster America and reach for the stars. We are human together. The best in America. I might have got here on my own. Howdy and welcome back to This Is News. I'm Reem Mayhem, joined as always by This Is News Convention Chair, Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, Reem. How are you? I'm doing really well. Before we get started, I want to ask all of our listeners, if you have a friend who you think would really enjoy our podcast, we'd really encourage you to send it their way so we can try and grow our listener base even further. Um, and additionally, please make sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at This Is News Pod to keep up with everything we're doing here on the podcast. Now, here's how tonight's episode is going to work. Longtime listeners will note this is episode 20. We have promised a discussion about political primaries. Are they good? Are they bad? And frankly, Jack, I don't think there's a more timely evening to discuss that then right after the primary process for 2020 officially came to a close meaning the primary process meaning the primary process for 2024 officially started so yes um we will be having that discussion here at the beginning of the episode we will be talking about the republican national convention after that discussion so be warned like last week this episode is probably going to be longer than our normal episodes but stick with us. It's going to be worth it. Jack and I have some exciting thoughts about the Republican National Convention. Yeah. And we'll try our best to keep with time constraints. We always try. We just also always fail. So there's that. Yep. Exactly. Exactly right. We are recording this literally right after the president ended his acceptance speech of the Republican nomination. So these are going to be the freshest of the fresh takes on that speech. We have not looked at Twitter we have been avoiding outside media. This is going to be pure, unadultered. Reem and Jack have for thought. the second time. This is news. We'll get to break news. It's a it's a fantastic oh, time. Boy. All right. One more thing before we get into it. Kevin McCartney did come out and condemn QAnon, and said that likely former Representative Green also condemned it. She has a lot of other issues with her that are reason enough to not vote for her, to be clear. Good on Leader McCartney. However, there's still a lot of work for the GOP to do, particularly the Texas GOP, which is still advertising we are the storm gear. This would be like if you put under God our vindicator on something, we're then informed it was the Confederate States of America motto and didn't remove it immediately. Yeah, uh, Reem, you're exactly right. The uh, GOP appears to be moving in the right direction. It seems that we've caught this uh, disease pretty quickly, and it's still treatable, and we're going to treat it. But w- there's a lot more treatments left. We're gonna we're gonna have to keep addressing it and focusing on it until we've purged it from the party completely. Conspiracy theorists have no place in the Republican Party, and uh, with uh, one party losing its mind and endorsing riots in the streets. I want one party to at least be somewhat reasonable. And uh, I hope that the Republican party continues to take steps to ensure they stay reasonable. But the Texas GOP has a long way to go. And honestly, Alan West is not off to a good start. Uh, Additionally, Joe Biden did give a pretty full throttle condemnation of the riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is consistent with other statements he made 
immediately following George Floyd. Yeah, Floyd's it turns out turns out when the new when the new poll numbers come out, you have to do an about face. Well, so Joe Biden's that. been pretty Joe Biden's been pretty critical of the destruction of life or property. I, I'm not sure. I'd say pretty critical. I'd say begrudgingly. Uh, criti- begrudgingly Joe Biden critical. has criticized rioting. Yes, but he did it with the after Earlier. a like five minute like please understand that everything they're doing is right and America is systematically racist. But yeah, rioting is bad, which shouldn't be race, which shouldn't be difficult or necessary. Like if Donald Trump was going to condemn David Duke and he spent the first five minutes being like, "Look, I get where he's coming from. His anger's justified." We'd be like, "No, no, no." Especially if it was right after poll numbers showed that it was bad. Now, can I make a hot take here? Wait, wait, wait. Can I make a hot take here real quick? Uh, sure, sure. Before we, we use that masterful segue into the 2016 primary process that you set up there that I'm now going to just ruining right past. The, honestly, uh, it's a tradition on the show at this point that we ruin our perfect segues. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. The peaceful protesters, and there are peaceful protesters. And it's starting to be few and far between, let's be honest. Like, this is not March or April. The sheriff sheriff of Kennesaw, Wisconsin, said that there were generally peaceful protests during the day. And it was only after their curfew came into effect that things became violent. Yeah, I have to say that I will trust law enforcement on that one, Jack. I have to say the media has been insane about this stuff, though. I mean, I'm looking at the CNN Chiron right now where their reporter is behind a fire and it says fiery, but mostly peaceful protest. And then for the actual shooting, they say Jacob Blake had knife and car, but was otherwise unarmed. Cool. Yeah, moving on to the Great actual topic. topic before we we distract ourselves for another two hours. Uh, both Reem and I hold a very unorthodox view of the current political primary process, which I think the only mainstream person I know who shares our view would be a Jonah Goldberg. Reem, is there anyone else who uh, who backs us on uh, backs us on this? I think having Jonah Goldberg on our side is uh, good enough. Yeah, honestly, we have enough. There's us and Jonah versus the world. I like oh, those oh, odds. And, and the pre-2016 Democratic Party. I don't like having the Democrats extent. on my side. I'm rethinking my stance at this moment. But Reem, I, for one, am pro-superdelegate, Jack. Well, Reem, why don't you explain to everyone why the primaries ought to be eliminated and why we should actually be having less voting than our current system is designed to do. Okay, so first, let's talk a little bit about America's primary process just to get everyone up to speed. Um, if Iowa approved anything, it's the most efficient process like on God's green earth, right? So in America, in most states, voters who affiliate with the with one of the two major political parties get to vote to, for which candidate will receive that party's nomination and then run in the general election against the other side. Um, No other country really does this. So in the UK, candidates are selected by parties. They are not selected by voters of parties. They do proportional representation, right? No. Oh, dang it. Never mind. They do single member districts. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Party list voting is also a way that eliminates the general public getting to have a say in who bears the standard of their party. So one, 
this is a little R Republican principle in the most literal sense of yes, someone else is representing you. So for me, if I were in charge, what I would do is for presidential contests, there would only be superdelegates. So that would be former or sitting congressmen, former sitting senators, state party leaders, governors, former or sitting presidents, vice presidents, uh, national committee members, former and sitting. Basically, those who have reached a high office either within the party or within the political structure are the ones who get a say as to who gets the party's nomination for president. Mm -hmm. At the local level, I would localize this. So let's say you're in Texas. Republican House members, state House members, and congressional delegation members current and present get to decide who the gubernatorial nominee is same on the democratic side so i'm curious real quick uh would you just have this where the respective parties get to privately agree to do this on their own or would you have this be legislated by the state that this is how the uh parties will function as it currently as the state's currently involved in the primary process um i think the state would just need to say that it's voluntary to use the primary process Mm -hmm. as currently made and then let the parties choose what they want to do. And I think it would be in the best interest of the party as an institution to do this because here's the deal, Jack, American political parties are very weak institutions. Oh, I Uh, agree. I agree. My friend in the UK, it's a really big deal when a party's manifesto comes out, which is their equivalent of a platform because it signals this is what all of our members are going to be held accountable to if they win a seat in parliament or most of their members, at least Um, in America, Jack, have you even looked at the democratic party platform? I mean, I know I have, I mean, I checked out the Republican platform or lack there, but uh, no, I did that in a moment. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, German homework is a thing again. So my, uh, my ability to read democratic platforms has gone slightly downhill. Um, yeah. The passing of a platform in American politics is only really a signal to really national committee members at this point. And even your national committees don't do all that. Like how often do you hear news of DNC or RNC approves new measure or censures vote by blank represent. Like you don't hear of that happening in a really, really strong party system. You'd see a very activist DNC that would go after. Okay. So one partisanship increases as parties get weaker and weaker, which generally leads to more radical beliefs, right? So a stronger Democratic Party would likely be more moderate. A strong, a stronger Republican Party would likely be more moderate because elites tend to be interested, like party elites, not like socioeconomic elites, party elites. Are they you are, sure, though? Because there's different. plenty of times before we had primaries where each party was pretty radical on issues. Like the slave yeah. debates happened before primaries. Yes, but they tend to be more willing to try and govern, right? And I don't think... So would you say instead of... today? Instead of com- instead of moderate, would you say they're more compromising? Yes, yeah, yeah, they're more compromising, right? So, like, um, when Speaker Boehner got a budget deal with Obama that would have cut spending on entitlements but raised taxes, the RNC and DNC likely would have both issued 
resolution supporting that deal, right? And the House Freedom Caucus members who killed it likely would have faced censure from the RNC, right? Mm-hmm. And Democrats would have been encouraged by their party's infrastructure to vote for such a deal. Just to use just to use an example from the last ten years, um, more more modern. Ted Cruz probably doesn't get to run for Senate because David Dewhurst would have been selected to be the nominee in that Senate election. Dan well, that, Patrick. We've already got rid of the 17th Amendment, so we're... Oh, that's right. We already got rid of the 17th Amendment. Yeah, Sorry. so you can um, go with the House. Dan Patrick may or may not be governor, or lieutenant governor, and <laughs> Freudian slip there, um, <laughs> lieutenant governor <laughs> of Texas right now. Um Eddie Rispioni definitely wouldn't have been the Republican nominee for Louisiana governor in 2019 to be sure because he simply didn't have a platform and that's not something a strong party would accept. Um, and, and here's the deal. You could, you could also change this where well, I think real quick, most that, obvious, most obvious example for you is Donald Trump would not be president right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's the most obvious example, but there is somewhere you could also amend this where it's not so much that the party gets to expressly pick who is the nominee, but they get to pick who's allowed to run for the nomination. Right. So Bernie Sanders wouldn't be allowed to run for the democratic nomination because he's not a Democrat, right? Donald Trump wouldn't have been allowed to run for the GOP nomination because he wasn't a conservative and he still isn't. Yeah. He still isn't more on that in a moment. Um, it's just kind of things like that. And as you, but here's, I'm going to, I'm going to present the devil's advocate argument here, Jack, though. All right. Look at the Republican party of Texas right now, the party elites, the state convention delegates who are, you know, kind of your most active members of the party, ergo your elite members of the party voted for Alan West to be party chairman. Right. So maybe in some States you'd well, I think see- for that, I think uh, a very easy to reply to that is just because the system is just and best doesn't mean it'll always produce the best results. Like clearly well, democracy is better than dictatorship, but democracy yeah. gave us Jim Crow. Like you can use the right system for the wrong reasons. Yes. Yes. And Jim Crow was bad. Uh, well, yeah, obviously uh, that wasn't obvious for if, yeah. if there's a viewer who's not sure or a listener who's not sure it's bad. It's very, very bad. <laughs> yeah. So, let me add just this as well, though, for every it would also happen on the Democratic Party as well. Most likely Diane Feinstein was not endorsed by the California Democratic Party in her most recent reelection campaign for Senate because she was seen as too moderate. Right. So right. I think in some states you might see rather extreme state parties, but those would be moderated out because like the California Republican Party is generally They'd be forced not- to compromise if they wanted to get anything done. Well, and not just that, but your national committees would also be composed of people from states where your party is not in the majority and ergo not super comfortable with taking extreme positions, right? So I think at the national level, it would get moderated out mm-hmm. by the time you got that Which is high. what the founders intended. Like you're supposed to have the more fiery radical battles at the uh, state level. Well, they intended no parties. Let's, <laughs> let's start well, there. Washington intended no parties. Okay. Hamilton Hamilton no and Jefferson were plotting in the back before the ink was dry. Accurate. Um, yeah, so that's really what it boils down to is just changing who gets to either 
select the candidates who can run in the primary from just being anybody who can get enough signatures and money or selecting who the party's nominee is. Right. All right. But yeah, um, going off the, if if you're finished stream, I'll uh, go ahead and give my uh, spill for why the uh, uh, primary should be eliminated. So this, you have to remember, we're kind of building our own little universe with our every fifth episodes. That's right. So the 17th amendment's already been repealed. The bill to expand the house was crushed in the house, ironically, by me after you passed in the Senate. And then clerical uh, error. Um, no, I crushed it. I crushed it right just there. Just clerical the, error. The will of God. But we're moving on. We're moving on. It. We have a time constraint. We're moving on. And we there's rank. There's rank choice. Constraint. And we're both pro rank choice voting. So yes. if you think about it, even if you don't get to vote in a primary anymore, with there being multiple parties, this actually gives you more options than you currently right. have. So yep. here, here's the to start out though. A lot of people might be hearing this and think you can't attack primaries. That's undemocratic. Yes, that goes against our uh, our Republican principles. Not so. So our republic has been here since 1776, and we've held Republican Ooh. principles the entire time, according to little Brent, R. These are these are yeah. little R. Republic yes, little, little R. Republic, which are the most pure and righteous ones that both sides of the aisle should hold to. Uh, so primaries started in the 1840s, uh, and they didn't become like mainstream until the 20th century. It wasn't even until 1917 that all but four states used them. So for the majority of our republic's history, we didn't have primaries and we were still a functioning free republic with democratic principles. And indeed, when it comes to the presidential election specifically, fewer than 20 states used primaries for the presidency until the 1970s. So you can't argue that primaries are a pillar of our republic. They're a, they're an add-on. And they also weren't binding primaries, to be clear. Yeah. Like, it's kind of how the Electoral College is. Um, yeah, the delegates get to do what they want. But I do oh, believe... Well, SCOTUS says otherwise, Jack. <laughs> well, that's dependent on what the state does. So yes. yeah, it's the state legislature, not the people. But I do believe that getting rid of primaries would be a... Re- uh, would be best to conform to Republican principles of government and strengthen the integrity and long- longevity of the American experiment. So I have a few reasons for that. First, I think it would be good for the health of public discourse if the election season was shorter. Uh, simply put, right now we hate each other. Uh, this I'm quoting David French at National. I'm quoting David French at National Review. A stunning 20% of Democrats and 16% of Republicans believe we'd be better off as a country if large numbers of the opposing party in the public today just died. And if That's the boring. opposing party wins the 2020 election, 18% of Democrats and 13% of Republicans feel violence would be justified. And these are pre-rioting numbers. Even more worrying yes that should be like alarm bells going off for like everyone yes so there's a lot of reasons for this and uh primaries i wouldn't even argue that primaries are the main reason for this nor will getting rid of primaries fix all of this there's there's a lot of stuff we are going to have to do in america to fix this but i think that episode 25 the filibuster i can't yes yes we're getting to that but um there uh, this would go a long ways towards helping i think this is because 
our election season because of primaries is way too long. For example, yep. for 2016, Ted Cruz announced he'd be running in March of 2015. And that's Ted Cruz wasn't even the first person to announce he was going to run. Yeah. So with going off of Ted Cruz's, cause that's the only one I could find that gave me an announcement date. That was the, uh, that's a 20 month long election season. And if elections are that constant and are basically just continuous, and never ending, then politics is going to be in our face constantly. And it becomes harder and harder to keep politics out of the spheres of life. We need politics to stay out of if we're going to be able to unite and come together and be one people and one culture, even if we have political disagreements. Like we have to be able to have parts of public life that aren't political. And if we're constantly in the election season, that's going to be harder and harder. So that's my first reason. The second reason is... You currently have two types of primaries in the U.S., open or closed, and it's basically a case of pick your own poison, neither one of which is good. So with open primaries, anyone gets to vote regardless of party affiliation. And because of that, a private organization has its freedom of association violated. And people who do not consider themselves a member of said organization or hold to the tenets of the organization may influence the future of the organization. Um, just doing a little bit of digging. So as early as 2013, Rand Paul was signaling he was going to run for president in 2016. So yeah, and we'll, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, Nikki Haley's already basically confirmed in her speech. That she's Pence is ready to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's insane. It was just people getting ready to go. I mean, yeah, we need a much yeah. short election. But then the other type of primary is closed primary, where only Republicans get to vote in the Republican primary and only Democrats get to vote in the Democratic but primary. But do you know how you become a Republican or a Democrat for a closed primary? Um, you literally just check a box on a form. Yes. So like Even if you made it where, like, say, you need to volunteer for like 10 hours for a Republican or Democratic campaign to work in the primary, that right. would actually probably do more. It's like, not the strictest of security systems, but still, uh, the point I'm making is this is also just as bad because what it ends up with is the American people are forced to pick candidates who are more radical than what the average American wants. And you see this during the uh, election season while primaries are going on, candidates will try to appeal to the base as much as possible and seem pretty extreme and pretty hardcore. What does the base actually mean, Jack? Is there a base? Is the base real? Because here's the deal. It seemed in the Democratic primary, and I'm just going to like really riff here, a lot of candidates seem to appeal to the Twitter base of the Democratic Party, which was perceived, I think, in large parts to be the base of the Democratic Party. And you know who didn't try and do that, Jack? The Democratic nominee for president, Joseph Robinette Biden. Well, uh, the point of this is not to say what is the base. That's not necessary for my argument. My only okay. point is that the average Democrat and the average Republican are on average more extreme in their political views than the average American. And yes. therefore, whoever they pick for the presidency is going to be more radical than the average American wants. And that Accurate. leaves the American people kind of stuck between two extremes when they want a guy in the middle. And that, that's another reason against part or, or against primaries is we shouldn't be having these people who, because of the system have to do this thing where they act radical and then do an about face and act moderate for the general. Jack, is that not an endorsement of a third centrist party becoming a political force in America so much as it is a denouncement of the current two party primary system? Um, Hmm. This is this is a test. I mean, I know you want me to say yes, 
but uh, I'd be cool with just. No, I don't care what you say. Oh, I'd uh, my my dream is getting a majority of Americans on board with conservative values and having it where the conservative wing of the Republican Party is the American mainstream. But that's gonna it's gonna take a while. We're we're currently in the minority right now. There are more Democrats than Republicans. But uh, con- continuing on, uh, that's a that's another reason I think they should be eliminated. The uh, third reason is because like if we're gonna do primaries, they should be all at once. Like there should be a national election, just like there is for the general, where we just have the primaries and then the two candidates are picked. Because right now, with it scheduled where Iowa gets to go first and New Hampshire gets to go second, like winning those two makes or breaks a campaign. So citizens in these states have an over-exaggerated amount of power in our election process. And that really goes against the tenets of federalism. Like one state should not be more powerful than the other when it comes to who our national leaders will be. And it's very disturbing that Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, this is going to bite me when I'm trying to trying to win the primary, but uh, it's, it's disturbing that Iowa and New Hampshire can have so much more powerful influence over our politicians policies than say North Dakota or Florida. And this causes a situation where if all states voted at once, this candidate might be very popular except in Iowa or New Hampshire, but because they're unpopular there, they lose. So I'm going to make a statement here and you already heard my opinion. So, you know, I don't want primaries anyways. It is difficult to run a national campaign without significant resources. So do you think that would either a disadvantage small candidates who could break out in an early state or B only allow candidates who already have broad support from across the wings of the party to be able to run in the primary? Hmm. Because I'm going to make a statement here. I think Bernie Sanders probably would have been able to run a national campaign for a national primary day in 2020. I don't know who else would have. On that, I'm not sure. It uh, It's certainly possible, but even if that's true, if it's true that that type of system benefits them, it's still unfair. Like there's yeah. no reason that you living in Iowa should get to make you more powerful in the electoral process than living in Oregon. Like oh, honestly, Jack, have you considered moving to Iowa or New Hampshire just so you get to be one of the most important voters in all of America? No, I live in Texas, the greatest country on earth. Like my, That's the my, correct answer. Good yeah, job. my life's uh, already perfect. It can't get more perfect. This is just a series of me just poking Jack to see when he messes up so that way I can just go. Um, yeah, but I never mess up. So I hope our listeners are aware as to what the, what the dynamic is here. Yeah, but uh, moving on with my excellent and uh, honestly perfect uh, logic, the uh, biggest oh, reason, dear. yeah, the biggest reason why I would argue that uh, we should get rid of primaries is allowing the parties to pick their own candidates will destroy fringe groups and allow more yeah. to be done. So yeah. we just talked about last week, we oh, lit our... We lit our own political party up. We're both Republicans, and we shredded the Republicans for what's happening with QAnon. If there's no primaries, there's no QAnon. Uh, Primaries allow... Yeah, primaries allow for the same problem that proportional representation uh, forms of elections 
uh, run into where fringe groups can pick up just enough to have an outsized amount of influence or any influence at all, honestly, and letting the uh, party members dictate who will get to join kind of filters that out. Like there's no way that a QAnon like psycho or even like a just non-party conformity member. Yeah gets elected and you may think that's unfair like the elites are getting um, to decide Alan West is chairman of the republican party of texas jack elected right. by party members right but if if you think that the party is being too controlling or too strict or not having enough voices guess what we have ranked choice voting now go make your own party so it, it's the best of both worlds honestly with that but uh jonah goldberg honestly had a really good quote on this uh he wrote an article at the chicago tribune explaining why we should not have primaries he said one of the paradoxes of democracy is that it depends on healthy institutions that are fundamentally undemocratic families don't put everything to a vote nor do churches the boy scouts or the marines back before the parties were castrated by the primaries and other subsequent reforms they had the power to impose standards on candidates and to protect their long-term interests and principles and as we're going to get to uh later on if republicans got to impose that in 2016 they'd get to have a platform right now so it could be very very helpful for the long-term integrity of the principles that supposedly define a party or so i was told until recently uh, and then it also forces you to compromise in a way that'll ensure your party actually gets stuff done. So I think the biggest example of this, and this is my last point before we'll move on to the uh, uh, RNC, is the 1860 election where Abraham Lincoln won. Now, there was another candidate in that election for the Republicans, William Seward, who you all may know him. He was one of the best secretary of states we've ever had. He's the reason that Alaska is American and not Russian right now. But he was very anti-slavery Republican. He was even quoted as to saying that there is a higher law than the Constitution, uh, which speaks against slavery. And because God speaks against slavery, he wanted the Civil War. And when they asked him, they were like, aren't a lot of Americans going to die? He was like, yeah, but it's for the best. So honestly, I'd argue that he was right. And honestly, his slavery position publicly was probably better than Lincoln's publicly, but he was too radical. He could not get stuff done, and he probably would have had a harder time winning the 1860 election in the first place. So because of that, the Republican Party realized he was too radical, and they said, no, no, we're not going with Seward, we're going with Lincoln. Lincoln was able to win, and because of that, we have the 13th Amendment. Because of that, we won the Civil War. Because of that, we have won the greatest presidents and time periods in American history. And primaries would have gotten us a Seward when we needed a Lincoln. Parties should decide what they want, and then voters should decide if they want the party. That should be the order, and because of that, I think that we need to get rid of primaries. But with our current system, we have primaries, and the primary season just officially concluded with the RNC, which I have to say, just from a thematic, like, visual and TV perspective, was better run than the DNC. It felt more like a convention than the Democratic convention. Which, honestly, this might be the one election season where it was an advantage to go last. Yes, but Reem, I know you have a lot of thoughts, and I just talked for a long time. So why why don't you go? Yeah. Well, so let me let me start with this this statement. Night one was very clearly these people want to run in twenty twenty four, and we're willing to let them speak. Apparently, Ted Cruz wasn't invited to speak at the RNC, which is um, 
Interesting. So I now, guess Donald Trump does hold a grudge. Now, yeah, you guess Donald Trump holds a grudge. What is the sky blue? I thought if you complimented him enough times, he decided you were his best friend. Um, so Ted Cruz tried that strategy, and now we're going to see the Zodiac Killer do what the Zodiac Killer does. Like he, he's not going to let this transgression pass for legal reasons. That is a joke. <laughs> yes, I don't think Ted Cruz is going to try to murder any any friends of Trump. Um, I thought Tim Scott was actually probably the best spe- the best final speaker from any of the four nights. Um, Period. His message didn't cover Trump a lot. Now, granted, it's the 2020 RNC. It's implied that you're pro-Trump. But he didn't talk about Trump all that much in his speech, which I thought was a good move. Sometimes you can say vote your conscience. You can you can do that sometimes. I don't think you could do that this year, Jack. Um, no, you'd probably be shot on site. So there's that. Tuesday night happened. It was fine. Yay. It's the most energetic description of a... Monday night and Tuesday night were very good thematically. Yes. The last two nights started becoming more and more of a disappointment the later they got. Mm -hmm. And the problem is they became more and more about Trump Wednesday and Thursday night. And the problem is Trump doesn't have any values so it's hard to be a value-oriented party doing their convention for a candidate who has no values when you don't have a platform because you decided that would be too difficult to do because you're willing to concede that the Democratic Party is better at being a party than you are. Which is objectively thought, true. Like in yes. 2016, we just let Trump win. 2020, it looked like Sanders were going to win and the Democrats just full on politically murdered him. Yes. I mean, how hard is it to get one person from every state on a Zoom meeting to decide, give them a Google Doc, just let them figure out a platform. Like, it's not hard. I don't know why that was so hard that the Republican Party had to decide that their platform is trump and that they as a party now only follow the thought of the dear leader and all that he says and espouses from his font of wisdom that is his twitter page is now party doctrine like that's not it's not what you do as a party that's supposed to be the or or that at least bills itself as the party of moral values and so I did. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's bad, but I wanted to pose this question to you. Do you think yeah, it sure. could end up being good? Because hear me out on this. No. So let's say that 2020, we keep a platform. Is it better that we didn't keep a platform than if we had one? Populist Trump supporters get to influence it and make it less conservative and more populist, say like attacking free trade more, stuff like that. And then 2024, we're stuck with that, or we have no platform this year. And then come 2024, we have a Nikki Haley or a Ben Sass write a very good and conservative platform that's ensuring that we have conservative tenets like free trade. So one, the platform doesn't matter because the party has no power. So there's that. But here's what I think. So we should get rid of primaries. Is that populists don't care about institutions enough to actually work to draft a platform. And so the people who would be drafting the platform are conservatives. Right. Would they have to include pro-Trump language? Yes, it's the Republican Party in 2020. It's a pro-Trump party. That's that's the party. But I think by crafting a conservative platform, you would signal to the party 
after you lose, and again, right now, 538 has it at a 30% chance that Trump becomes the next president, 70% chance that Biden is the next president. So if I'm the Republican Party, I'm working off the assumption that we're going to lose, right? I think in 2022, you have an easier case to make when you have a platform that your candidates can point to and say, look, no, here are the values I support as we wrote them down two years ago when they're probably about to use the midterm tactic where the midterms favor the non-White House party, which would be Republicans, assuming Biden wins. I think it hurts them not to have that conservative platform now because if you did, you could build up a conservative bench again in the House who would Mm -hmm. then all be good advocates for a conservative running for the presidency in 2024, opposing the populist wing of the party, which let's be frank, it's not going away. The populist nationalist isolationist wing of the Republican party is not going away. It's like how the squad will not abandon the democratic party, no matter how much Nancy Pelosi wishes they would. The uh, Republican party future is going to be very interesting. We've got the uh, common good conservatives fighting the the rights-based conservatives, fighting the populists, fighting the moderates. It's going to be very interesting to see party dynamics. And if we end up being the party of Reagan, the party of Trump or someone else 10 years from now. I mean, in all honesty, Listeners, if there's something you really should monitor, it should be the number of members within each of the Republican-only caucuses in the U.S. House of Representatives, because that is going to show you where the party thinks, where the party leaders think their party should be headed. Right. So, the more members you see in the Tuesday Group and the Main Street Partnership, the more moderate you should expect the party to be, and be in the vein of Will Hurd or. Uh, Senator Romney, right? The more members come true. (laughs) The more members you see in some of the other caucuses that aren't the House Freedom Caucus, the more you should expect the party to become more like pre twenty sixteen Ted Cruz. Um, And that's being I'm cool with that. Yeah, and to be clear, like I don't mean like would Ted Cruz have been a Freedom Caucus member pre-2016? Yes, but the Freedom Caucus now, the more members you see of the Freedom Caucus, the more you should expect that the party will stay Trumpian with the nationalist, populist, America first kind yeah, of the, policy. Yeah, uh, the Freedom Caucus might, at least at the federal level, it might have been corrupted a little bit by Trump, but its ideals pre-2016 are, are fantastic. As is Yes, but those don't exist anymore, as demonstrated by the fact that one of their founding members left the Republican Party. They don't exist. They're just in limbo. We're, we're waiting for four years until... They don't exist for the Freedom Caucus. Unfortunately. Jim Jordan is not someone who used to be enforcing party unity in caucus meetings. Yeah. That's not Jim Jordan when a, the Freedom Caucus first kind of became a thing. The, the fact of the matter is, is that the Freedom Caucus has become just the Trump cheerleading section of the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, the uh, pre-2016 Freedom Caucus I love. I think Ted Cruz is amazing. He was my pick for 2016. But uh, it, it has been scary to see what's happening during Trump. And part of me thinks that they're just doing that while Trump's here because they think that's the most they can get. That's the way they can get the most done is by sucking up to him. But I respect but, folks like Ben Sass who outright will criticize the president and oh, say, yeah. I disagree. I agree. And that's one of the reasons I want Nikki Haley to be the choice in 2024. I can't think of a time she's disagreed with Trump that she hasn't come right out and said it. Well, and, I think she has uh, stopped doing that after she left the administration. But 
she hasn't been doing it as much but it's an election year and she's trying to pump up the base so there's a difference between and i understand that nikki haley is a mainstream republican and also for her i I have to defend her real quick there's a difference between like the hypocrisy of someone who if it was obama they would have criticized it but now it's trump they're complimenting it and nikki haley who strategically stays silent on some stuff because she doesn't want to make the base angry Uh, i do okay difference back to the rnc yeah Mike Pence. Here's the deal about Mike Pence. Uh, for those of you who ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, you'll be familiar with his 10,000 hour rule. Yeah, great book. Um, 10,000 hour rule, maybe not the most trustworthy, but it's it's sometimes applicable. And I'd argue in politics, it's very applicable. I mean, we've only done 20 hours and we're experts at podcasting. So clearly. There you go. Um, Mike Pence is really good at giving a speech. He is not the most energetic orator, by no means. He would have killed high school speech and debate informative. Like, but Mike Pence is very articulate. He's very... He has a very good like speaking style. Mike Pence is a good orator. The problem Mike Pence... Ha- and back to the 10,000 hour rule point, I think a big reason for that is because he did talk radio for so long. Right. That talk radio almost just forces you to become good about talking about politics really, really quickly, much in the same way that, say, just performing live shows forces you to become good at music really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So I think by doing that, Mike Pence is a really good speaker because of it. The problem with Mike Pence is the message he was delivering was one that was just trump is doing things well well i'd say he did some the the best argument against joe biden is the trojan horse argument I think. yes whether you agree with it or not which yes. i do you don't but uh politically it's the best one he does a good job doing that but some of the yes. trump trump worship honestly like claiming that his mom supports trump over him like it's unnecessary right, he has to do that because yes. mike pence has an audience of one in everything he does which is so frustrating, President Trump, just for leadership in general, if your subordinates and the people beneath you are so terrified of displeasing you that they can't do their jobs, you're a bad leader. Right. right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that was Mike Pence. Again, like Mike Pence is not an inspiring public speaker by any stretch of the imagination. No. He's not someone who's going to get you like excited to go out and volunteer and phone bank for your like he's not. He's not that kind of candidate. He's just a good messenger. Yes, that's a that's a great description. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was night three. You know, good for Mike Pence. Uh, the setting was good. They did it at the fort where the Star Spangled Banner was written on based off of the battle there. So that was genius, setting. especially with the yeah. Dems doing what they're doing with the national anthem right now. It contrasts very well, I'd say. I mean... I think they sang the national anthem at all the nights of their convention. They did, but then they were also like stand or kneel. So it's it, it was clearly to contrast the Republican Party with that. And you could tell like yeah. the Republican Party during one of the national anthems zoomed in to the uh, injured veterans who no longer had legs lifting themselves up on the wheelchairs to be able to somewhat stand during the national anthem. And that's clearly showing that our party opposes where the Dems are on the anthem. Whether you agree with it or not, it was smart politically. Yes, it was smart politically. Um, and then that brings us to tonight, Jack. 
tonight was a yeah, it was good it was good it started off fine there was a really great story about the widow of a woman who or about the widow of okay let me let me start over the widow of a st louis police officer who was killed during unrest in st louis spoke in what was a like really really great moment and mm-hmm. one that you will be seeing on social media if you follow anyone in right-leaning circles you will be seeing that video probably for about a month yeah just like how there are videos from the democratic convention which i said the same thing about right right these conventions both now the democratic convention clearly was not a convention for tv it was a convention for social media the republican convention was clearly a convention for tv which was the better choice because it's on television well we were watching it on television right we um and if you think about the basis of the two parties, which one is more likely to have been watching a convention on television as opposed to just checking Twitter? It's the okay. Republicans. That's fair. Yeah. So I can understand why both parties decided to do their things in that format. Here's the thing about tonight, though. The only thing that matters tonight is Donald Trump's speech. The problem with Donald Trump is... There's only one... He's not an engaging speaker when he sticks to a teleprompter. But if he goes off teleprompter, he destroys his own messaging. So I got to disagree with you on this one. I mean, you're technically right, but I think you're also wrong. Like, you're right that he's much more energetic when he goes off script and he's just, he's playing to the crowd. He is Donald Trump when he goes off script. And that really riles up that 30% who love him no matter what. But while he's down by eight in the polls, while people need to feel a sense of calm during COVID and the riots, is it not better to switch to that teleprompter Trump who's just stating facts and reason to appeal to those voters and say, I am the calm? Well, one, every voters, voters I think are pretty baked in their impressions of Donald Trump, right? I don't think any voter is still questioning whether or not Donald Trump is a calm. Yeah. Like 90% of people have decided their votes, but for that 10%, like for the suburban woman who's trying to determine her vote right now, it's probably best if Trump goes out there and is calmly like, I'm going to help fight the riots. Your kid's going to be back in school. than if he's just off the cuff thing, like and Putin called me like that's yes. Yes. And, and to be clear, a lot of things in this convention were targeted towards either the base trying to get them excited to go and vote for Trump or towards someone who's just on the fence, who just needs to be reassured that like Donald Trump is not a racist. Right. Which is why there were so many minorities speaking that the the minority. I'm not sure that was because not racist. I think he legitimately thinks he can make a push for black voters. Okay. Well, his campaign is smart enough to understand that they need to reassure white voters that Donald Trump is not racist. And having as many people of color speak as possible helps push that message, right? Yeah, he's but not racist, though. Here's the issue, though. Here's the issue, though. Can, are we talking about the convention? Yes. Are our listeners going to hear about the convention because we're talking about it? Yes. That is how that works. Yeah. But no one watches the actual convention. They only generally watch the clips that come out the next day. Yeah, like you on, have to be... You have to be like a super political nerd like us to be uh, watching it just throughout your day. It's why like Barack Obama in 2004, did people notice the convention speech? Absolutely. A a lot of people did. 
but it really didn't matter for the average American too much. I mean, maybe it did. We we weren't we weren't really old enough to know. But I mean, he did carry lost. So from what I've read, it didn't really matter to the average American what Barack Obama said that convention in two thousand four. It did matter to the Democratic operatives and elites who suddenly fell in love with this future Illinois right. senator. Although I'd argue the conventions are a little more important now than in 2004 because there wasn't the uh, this video clip can be retweeted 100,000 times yeah, option. There wasn't. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think a smart convention creates moments for social media in this day and age because mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of earned media for you. But I also think a smart Republican convention tries to create moments for Fox News and network news. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be where you can get a lot of a lot of efficiency from your earned media. Because, to be quite frank, the average Twitter person is probably to the left of. Although conservatives do do very well on social media, especially for the advertising, and conservative Twitter is best Twitter. Like this is just well, okay, fact or hilarious. Okay, if you're a Republican, you're creating clips for Facebook, right? Um, not so much Twitter. I guess I, I know a lot, a lot of like, I get all of my, maybe it's just because we're younger. Like I get all of my news from Twitter. So like that's, yeah, I, we're I, younger and young people trend Democrat and they don't vote. So there's that. But. Oh, I will. Which is probably for the best. Was it, was it South Carolina or Super Tuesday? I think uh, David French tweeted out the young vote never fails to not materialize. I mean, it's true. The young people is, just occasionally is, yeah. start a violent revolution every hundred years. Other than that, I mean, if you point, are, yeah, ba- if when we are running for office, we are banking on young voters turning out in droves to get us into office, please, listeners, reach out as soon as possible and remind us that that is a like proven strategy that doesn't ever work. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> um. Yeah. Are young people really great volunteers sometimes? Yes. Yes. Volunteers are important. Having people who are willing to stay up for hours, not get a lot of sleep, survive off of coffee alone, and go knock doors in a state they're not from are useful. Are all of their friends going to go and vote? Probably not. Yeah, did you have uh, any more thoughts on the uh, convention, or is that basically all you? For everything Donald Trump says that he did good, you can, one, find him disagreeing with his own position years back. For all the things that are bad about him, or for all the things that he's done that are bad that he says are good, you can find him disagreeing with his own position years back. If he truly cared about fighting back China, he wouldn't have scrapped the Trans-Pacific Partnership. If he truly cared about fighting terrorism, he wouldn't have given Afghanistan to the Taliban. True. Donald Trump himself supported the Iraq war. So his criticism as Jeb of Bush accurately it, pointed out during yeah. the 2016 debates as Jeb Bush did correctly do. <laughs> yeah. A sentence you don't hear often since you do not hear often, please clap. Um, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the greatest. It's the saddest moment in history. It's the greatest political moment, I think, in, in, in our lifetimes, Jack, is Jeb right. Bush saying, please clap. Imagine your father and your brother each get to be the most powerful man in the world and you can't even get a room to clap at the end of your speech. It wasn't even that crowded of a room. It like, was a, and it was a room of his supporters. Like they went to hear him talk. Pretty empty room. It was it was beautiful. Ah, uh, Jeb. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for a Republican to follow on Twitter, highly recommend Jeb Bush, actually, folks. He's a good follow. Um, just a just a plug for Jeb Bush. Jeb, if you'd like to come on the show, we'd be happy to have you. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, like Donald Trump does so many policy things that undermine his message. Like, he's tough on China rhetorically. Right. But not in practice like it's it's uh, like if you actually wanted to be tough on china and the who you wouldn't leave the who without having a backup organization ready to go yeah also i thought a huge strategic error on his part the chinese are evil they have conquered Hong chinese Kong, government essentially. chinese government is evil yeah i mean that's that's what i mean when i say that i know but, i'm just uh, like the, Chi- the chinese i'm are helping evil. you Jack. the chinese communists are evil Every communist is evil, so that's that's a fair point. Uh, they've conquered Hong Kong. They're oppressing their citizens' rights. They are harvesting human organs. Like, that's a thing. They're using slave labor. You have all these moral things you can hit them with. And what does Donald Trump hit them with? He's like, you took a manufacturing job. No, that job got automated. Yeah. So, manufacturing jobs that left the United States to go to China aren't coming back to the United States. Nor should they. We and should they're be, probably also leaving China. Like a supply side economic system, and it's better for all Americans if goods are cheaper and more uh, of a higher quality than if they're made in America. Yes, and barring, of course, like national security or health issues, but that's right, not like an economic like occupational argument, safety that's a comes first. Security or a health argument. Occupational safety is important. Yeah. If you're an effective employer, you'll find that paying your employees more makes them more productive and able to buy more of your goods, which is also a good thing. Like, right. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, any more thoughts for you on the convention before I get to do my rant? No, Jack, I, I, I have no more thoughts. All right. So I, I have lots of thoughts. First, the I biggest know. thing that this convention, I thought the convention was very well done. This is the most I've liked Trump is probably this week. There were a lot of, a lot of stuff that they said where I was like, that's a really good point, which is what you want. You want your base to be the most excited about your candidate right now. Now I'm not going to vote for him and I don't like him, but it was the best Trump we've seen. So the RNC did establish a few things. This is definitely the party of Trump for now. I think the biggest, we, we have to wait till 2024 to see just how bad the damage is and how we, how we come back. But for yeah, it's now, like it's like you have to wait for the hurricane to leave to figure out how bad it was. Yes. So I'm hopeful. I'm very optimistic that if we get a Nikki Haley or a Ben Sass in there for 2024, we can rebound very quickly and we can have principled conservatism return to the Republican Party and be just fine with maybe a little bit of a populist uh, populist remainder of the Trump time. 
But for now, in 2020, this is his party. And I just, I have to condemn the Republicans for two things. First, the the getting rid of the platform, which we've already talked yeah. about at length. But if King David is king of Israel, that's a pretty great king and a pretty great leader that doesn't justify getting rid of the biblical law. You don't get rid of the principles and tenets to follow the man. Israel was actually punished for that. And we'll see the Republican Party suffer for it too if we go down that road. And also, I get that you're voting for Trump, but you don't have to like objectively lie or worship the guy. Like it was, uh, is his name Dana White, the UFC guy? He he claimed that Trump is the most loyal guy ever. That was a quote. He's not. Now, if I was going to pick the most loyal guy ever, I would not pick the dude who cheated on his first wife with the second wife, cheated on the second wife with the third wife, and then probably cheated on the third wife nonstop as well. And he'll cheat on the fourth wife Hello, too. Hello, Stormy Daniels. Yes. Um, so I, I, I don't, when I hear loyalty, I don't think of Donald Trump for some reason. So yep. there's that. And also just a pet peeve of mine that was brought up at the um, multiple times during the convention, uh, they said Donald Trump built the best economy in history. Now, Donald Trump has done great things for the economy and he deserves a ton of credit. The cutting of regulations, the tax cuts, like he's been a good president for the economy minus the international free trade stuff. But domestically, I think he's been very good. But that doesn't mean he built the economy. A president cannot build an economy. A president can only destroy the economy. Jack. Obama, FDR, Jimmy Carter, they proved that. A president can get out of the way and let the American people, through their innovation and productivity, succeed. Donald Trump deserves credit for getting out of the way, but he did not build the economy. To, to, to be clear, one... There was a decent economic recovery under Barack Obama. It was the slowest economic recovery since the, the Great Depression. The growth rate of the economy didn't really change did between the Barack job. Obama presidency Dude, and the Donald Trump Unemployment was at record lows. The it Dow was skyrocketed. It has a linear Dude, slope it from the Obama presidency to the, the Trump, Trump presidency. The Trump economy is a million Stock times better. Also the Trump economy is a million times better than the Obama economy. That's not even debatable. Um, so as I've talked on this podcast a number of times before, stock markets are not indicative of present economic conditions. Unemployment was at a record low. Unemployment for minority. The income yes. and it, it, yeah, incomes were rising. Started. Incomes were rising. Started. Yeah, the trend line started during the Obama administration. Dude, it was such slow growth. There were many, many, many issues during the Obama administration. Things got better under Trump. Tax cuts were good. Less regulations is good. More businesses yes, moved in. I'm just More saying that the economic trends that were pointing towards a bull market, the, towards a bullish economy, had been in place since the Obama administration. The, the economy's recovery during the Obama administration was in spite of his policies. Also, Trump claiming this is very much like Barack Obama claiming you didn't build that in 2012. Well, every 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 president claims that they're the reason the economy is doing well. It's just a pet peeve of mine. The uh, president gets out of the way, which Trump deserves credit for doing, and Obama does not. Obama was a terrible president, and he was horrible for the economy. Also, there's some amount of economic theory that is somewhat supported in the economics community that says that the true effects of a president's economics policy aren't felt until – after they leave office. Dude, you can't say that the economy we've seen under Trump is because of Obama. All right. You just can't. It's, I mean, you it's can't not. say the stock market is because that's not what the stock market is. But if you look at GDP indicators, if you look at unemployment no. indicators. No. Obama was bad for the economy. Trump has been good for the economy. That started during the Obama administration. Laissez-faire economic policy works. 
Keynesian economics is a death sentence Keynesian. for a vibrant Keynesian economics is a death sentence for a successful economy. But moving on, yes, we, I am we, also opposed to Keynesian economics. Yes, so you should agree with me. <laughs> this is Obama was bad for the economy. Trump has been very good for the economy. But moving moving on that's, to that, that's, okay, that's there, a, that's a there's a lot got, of like we got to move on minutia in there, Jack. We, we have a time constraint. I'm well aware we have follow a time at this time. <laughs> If I, I keep talking, you get less time. How dare you? I will filibuster. Deal, I will here's filibuster my own podcast. No. Here's the deal. I can press stop at any moment. How dare you use the fact that you run all the technology against me, tyrant. So anyway, moving on, there were there were a few themes in the convention that were pretty clear. Uh, this is definitely a convention meant to rile up the base, which is smart because Donald Trump is not getting a lot of independence. Donald to Trump vote is not adding voters. Yes. So your only hope is that Joe Biden, who's essentially dead, will not draw uh, Joe anyone Biden is out very much alive, just okay. for the record. He can ride a bike. Ooh. He can also give a pretty good speech. Ooh. Like, he's, you can tell the man's not what he used to be. Neither is Donald you, Trump. What you, Donald Neither Trump has Donald always Trump. been crazy, and we love him for it. But... Um, basically, how, wait, wait, did you say we just let me get my point out, Reem. I, I love the crazy. I, I see that the crazy is terrifying and bad for the country, but it's admittedly f- fun. It's entertaining, <laughs> but it's not making me any more disproportionate to vote for him. Yes, exactly. Or disposit- dispositioned. But, but I have the floor and <laughs> moving on, not- moving on there. Uh, the, the, the hope is that, Biden does not energize his base and that Trump's able to energize his base and he can win off that alone. And I think, I think he's got a shot. I mean, we saw that in the Rust Belt in 2016, Trump won with less votes than Mitt Romney got. So it's not entirely unrealistic that that would happen. The other theme is that this is about the suburban white women will decide this election. And you saw both conventions try to appeal to them. The Democrats saw that Trump's not an empathetic guy. He's not a compassionate guy. So they hit really hard on those values that women alike. And then Donald Trump saw that the Democrats don't care about safety at all. They're cool with riots. So he's pushed as I'm the guy that's going to protect your family and make sure your kid gets to school. So he's promising security. They're promising empathy. Suburban women love both. We'll see which one wins the day. Uh, To be clear, the Democratic Convention also had to balance the fact that they're trying to like appeal to the entire big tent of their coalition. Yeah. All, because Donald of all Trump, their insane people, they weren't able to condemn riots once in an entire week long convention. Go figure. Well, Donald Trump doesn't really have that same big tent coalition. No, because I mean, but yeah, yeah. Moving on the, the other big themes were law and order for sure. The Democrats have been allowing these riots to go on. This is a trend. This didn't start recently. Like Democrats have been doing this for years. It's disgraceful. Trump was right to say we need law and order again. This is one of the strongest points to vote Republican. For the record, for the record Joe Biden does support giving more funding to police. Just so we're clear. No, he actually said that he'd consider taking away funding. And Joe Biden's going okay, to die his during policy, his first all of his, all of his policy positions. Joe Biden say is that. going to die during the first term. So I feel is, to is, you that is Kamala Harris going to remind you that Ruth Bader Ginsburg not all people alive. age equally dude the democrats are radical i mean go back to even not even this round if you go back to the 2015 baltimore riots the democratic mayor said quote uh let me find it we also gave those who wish to destroy space to do that as well 
all right, the Democratic Party is radical. They are willing to have riots and they are willing to see destruction if it advances their political agenda. This is this is a fact. Like there's a reason that the New York Police Department Union just endorsed Trump. It's New York. Everyone hates Trump. But the Democrats have become uh, so anti-police and so pro-crime and so pro-riots that they're willing to endorse Trump. And honestly, Trump deserves a lot of credit for being law and order while the Democrats are letting um, cities burn. Hot take. If you're a Republican who denounces things like teachers unions and other public sector unions, you should also denounce any endorsement you get from a police union. I mean, I don't support it existing, by, but while it exists, I'm going to be cool with their endorsement. But anyways, uh, moving on, the uh, other big thing that was really highlighted is, and this is the honestly the biggest appeal for Trump, is that Trump is the, is the guy fighting against socialism. It's the whole, they don't hate me, they hate you, I'm just in the way. That's his best appeal, and that Biden is a Trojan horse for socialism, which I think has a lot of legitimacy to that claim when you see his base. I mean, Bernie Sanders got to help with the uh, party yeah, platform. John Kasich also is part of his base. Well, John Kasich's an idiot, so I don't really care what John Kasich does. The man doesn't even know how to okay, eat properly. Colin Powell is also part of his base. Yeah, but so is AOC. So Sean King. So like, it's a weird base. I'm saying all along, yeah, it's a but weird base. You need to look at the trends. The trends show that the radicals are getting more powerful, and the moderates the are getting show more that powerful. Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee for president. All right, Jack, you get yeah, one more hot take. And, and then I'm gaveling you out. For the record, then, viewers, no. Jack has seen that I've had a gavel in my hand for the last five minutes. No. And on um, the Biden, so on the Biden point, I think history, especially Germany, proves that just because the really old guy in power is moderate doesn't mean that his radical successor isn't going to inflict a lot of damage. Are you are you calling Kamala Harris Hitler? I'm uh, the analogy holds like just because Hindenburg is all moderate oh, no, no, and nice, no, okay. he's a thousand can years can old. You explicitly say, Jack, that Kamala Harris is not as bad as Hitler in any way. Well, duh, but she's still terrible. Okay. Anyways, so a few more points. The the, no. the thing with the fight. No, order, I have some. Order, I have some more order. stuff to point out. I have just order. a few more points. Stop. No, I said. <laughs> so uh, the this biggest thing, thing I loved. I loved Nikki Haley's speech. Uh, she's clearly going to run for president. Uh, she Her speech highlights a lot, though, the difference between Trump rhetoric and administration policy. A lot of his rhetoric was terrible on stuff, but his policy has been great. Uh, I liked that we rightly blamed China for COVID. We fought... We fought well for the culture war and against the idea that America is racist. America is not racist. America is a great place. The greatest place on earth is America. That still fact. deals with racism. There is no systematically racist institution in America. America is not a racist country. Poll after poll shows that America is one of the least racist countries in America. And in fact, the racist program wait, wait, we have. America the is racist one of the least program racist countries in America? Or sorry, in the world. And uh, the only racist policies we have on the books right now are intended to help minorities, i.e. affirmative action. So there's that. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, the I thought Nikki Haley had a great point on we will build our progress of our past and unlock the promise of our future. This was hit on a lot. Uh, the Dems clearly want to tear down our past and have a radical future. We're going to build off of the progress. And then... Uh, Jack, the, you get to talk about one more speaker. And then the uh, other great thing was just showing that, hey, Dems are claiming that Black Lives Matter while they support the riots. Uh, we support Black Lives Matter. That means that the black police officers who are having to deal with this, the black business owners whose businesses are being burned down, the children who are being shot, we think they matter and we're actually going to protect them. 
I thought uh, that the Nick Sandman stuff was great. The pro-life stuff was great. Dan Crenshaw was great. Tim Scott was great. It was just a really good convention. And it has me optimistic for the future of the Republican Party. Thank you, Jack. Oh, and real quick, one thing one thing I forgot. No, uh, uh, just uh, MSNBC quarter, disgraced quarter. itself when Abby Johnson, a, a former Planned Parenthood director, was talking about uh, abortion. MSNBC actually cut away from it because they don't want their viewers to actually realize that it's murder. So uh, I thought that the media disgraced itself and the Republicans did great. Yeah, I know you really want to see the Republican Party become a really explicitly pro-life party. We should. Um, I feel obliged to remind you that there are pro-choice folks who identify as Republicans. So, And if there were pro-slavery folks who identified as Republican, I'd still want us to be an abolition party. Interesting comparing abortion to slavery. They are um, each two of the greatest evils known to man that dehumanize innocent human beings. Jack is really leaning into his evangelical tendencies tonight, your listeners. Or and just my tell, uh, scientific, it's a life, you can't take an innocent life, therefore it's wrong idea that is a... Uh, should be universally accepted in a uh, moral country. As you can tell I'm really tired. Um, so, Look, if you don't go to bed at like 2 a.m. when you have an 8 a.m. class, are you even doing college? Oh my goodness, I'm not ready for biology in the morning, listeners. All right, as always, thank you very much for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're li- listening to us on, and give us a favorable rating if you can. Only five stars. I can't stress this enough. Thank you for that always important clarification, Jack. You can also find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at This Is News Pod, where you can keep up with some of the latest updates from the show. And, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the program, if you have a friend who you think would like the show, be sure to send a link their way, as, you know, we really want to get more people listening to us. And if you ever have any feedback for us, please reach out on our socials. We're happy to respond to any criticism, comments. Um, Compliments are most preferred, though. Jack really likes getting those, so compliments would be I only accept those. There's nothing to criticize. Yeah. Um, Gavel will not be making future appearances in This Is News. I just want to be clear about that right yes, now. Yes, this is. Y'all, y'all got to see a glimpse into very tired, exhausted Reem. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's... I don't know. Maybe I'll take out my gavel. I don't know. Oh, I forget you have one. Um, yeah, we, we can both play this game. I can I can silence your your rant. Um, oh boy. Um, you, well, you, uh, as always, for this is news. <laughs> I'm Reem and I'm Jack, <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon.